Other podcast sites are too complicated for anyone to use. I just want to hear a podcast, not perform open heart surgery. We provide a simple click and listen interface. Well, that was easy. TMB Studios. It's what you want. Warning. The views and opinions expressed by the guest on the shootout are not the views and opinions of TMB Studios, its management, or the host, Bill Blanchard. They are strictly the views and opinions of the guest and the guest alone. If you are offended by any of these views and opinions, please stop listening now. What was the craziest thing you ever did in the ring that people said, oh my God, that boy is stupid? Put over Brandon Parker. <laughs> no, no. I mean, because we did some pretty weird shit over there. I mean, me and me and Devin Wright at one point had a buff bitch match. Whatever, dude. A buff bitch match? Damn. And he looked like the big guy off of Captain America. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> that's that's just that shocked the fuck out of me. How one guy who's just asking straight up questions to people and straight up answers is getting more hits than something that brings a lot of people back to their childhood. And, I mean, it's just kind of funny. I appreciate that. You ready? Oh yeah. <laughs> Chris Dickens. Do we really have to go there? No, I heard Vince's comment about that. He said, hey, you forgot himself has a, has a sense of humor. You know? I mean, wow. Had to create a Christopher Dwayne Dickens. <laughs> oh, God. How many ring racks? How many ring racks did you have backstage? There were rumors about... How many ring racks wanted to get some... Dirt? Wait, 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 what? Yeah, how many ring racks you actually had some Ring dirt? rats? Oh, boy. Oh, God, Chris. HK wouldn't tell dirt what ring rats are. Oh, the one even Wolf Call would turn down. Dale Cheryl. <laughs> Damn! I hit another singer right out the park. Wow! Uh, wow! Don't forget, well, we have know, to put Six over in the main event because he was the top guy, and um, yeah. Well, Hogan must pose, you know what I mean? Hogan must pose! I'm it, bro! I feel like going to the Cheeto show and Patriots part. Of, like pissing on the grave, that line for us. The shootout with Bill Blanchard. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode, another edition of the Wrestling Shootout. Hey, I'm your host, Survivor Fan Bill Blanchard, along with my special co host tonight, the former UCW heavyweight champion, the man that broke CM Punk's record. I am talking about Mask Carry, although he didn't wear a mask. Who is now known as the Black Rose, Christian Fury. Again, I think he's also a former Octane champion. This man's a multi time AWF heavyweight champion. And no, I'm not getting tired of celebrating this man's accusation. Ladies and gentlemen, he is also, I think, 2000, 2000, what year is this? 20? 2018, Russell, the match of the year was with Hunter Young, I do believe it was. So, I mean, I'm happy, I'm happy to have this man my co host. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Christian Fury. Welcome to the show, brother. How are you doing? Oh, thank you. You forgot your Royal Highness. That'll work. We'll work. We're working on the it. Royal Highness. The, the royalty. You bring royalty to wrestling. I'm so sorry, Your Majesty. 
I've never had a friend like you say, all right, right. seriously. Yeah, What's seriously. going on, big man? I, I, how you doing down your neck of the woods? Well, other than still having to go to work because I'm part of that essential club right now, you know, <laughs> and everything like that. So, you know, still putting in 40 hours a week, if not more, you know. So it's a struggle, but we're getting it done if people would learn to stay home. <laughs> I know, but people like you got to go to work. You know, people like me's got to go to work, you know, and suck, you know, but uh, I, I don't know, man. I, you know, I don't want to go too deep on deep end with the coronavirus right now. I know last week we had Chris Dickens on the show. We, we kind of touched on some things what's going on out there in the wrestling world that dealing with the coronavirus. Now, the night that we're recording, this weekend's going to be WrestleMania. And I know when this may air, obviously WrestleMania would have came and gone. But, you know, we got to talk a little bit about it here, you know. I know we have a guest who's coming on the show tonight. He is a booker, a promoter, and a wrestler himself. You know, I, I would love to hear his thoughts, you know, about Vince McMahon trying to still push the envelope and make his talent on hazardous conditions. My show must go on, pal, you know, still making WrestleMania happen, you know. And then with everything that's been going on at the same time, we all know – Dark Sides of the Rings just released season two, and a few of the episodes has already been available. It does with Chris Benoit and and New Jack, you know, which I haven't had a chance to watch the the New Jack episode yet. I will probably look at that tonight, man. But you know, but damn it, man! I, I tell you what, man, it's scary times, isn't it, there, boss? You know, everything going on, you know. But hey, again, thank you for your service, man. I'm glad you're able to be here tonight, and let's get this show on the road. Well, that being said, tonight. I have tried on several occasions the show by hook or by crook. I tried to have him on here last month, and ironically, I had lost my talk, <coughs> and I just didn't feel comfortable with other people doing my show. And I was like, "No, give me, give me, give me a couple more weeks, and then I'll, I'll come back, and then I'll kick out from this thing." And here I am, going to try to do it the best thing that I can. But tonight's guest on the wrestling shootout, uh, people, um, he has been openly criticized by several guest members on the show. Um, I have had my own personal issues with the promotion this man represents. We're talking about United Championship Wrestling. And over the course of, my God, better part of four years, you know, it's been an up and downhill battle with this man. But he's on the show tonight. Uh, he's going to answer to me. He's going to answer to the public. He's going to answer to all the wrestling fans and some of his critics. And then, you know, I have spoken to this man on the phone um, on several occasions about some of his issues. And I got to tell you something here, folks. He's got a lot of inside information here. And he looks at it from such a different perspective. You know, it's almost like you're playing devil's acme here. Yeah, he gets sit there and says, man, he could have gone this direction. He probably would have done better. You don't really know what would have worked at the at the precise moment when it was time to make decisions here. You know, so I'm gonna say that before I bring him in here. But like I said, you know, this is gonna be a no holds bar conversation. And you know, I'm gonna answer questions and if you don't feel comfortable answering, I'm gonna move forward and I'm gonna let him speak his mind. I just asked you out there, all the guys out there to criticize this man, hear what he has to say. Hear what he has to say, because I'm gonna give this man a benefit of the doubt because I want to hear what he has to say. Without further ado, welcome to the guest of my show at this time, a former AWF heavyweight champion, former tag team AWF heavyweight champion. Uh, believe it or not, I think he is a current UCW 
won half of the world tag team champions, along with Christian Fury, the, the, the famous tag team known as Dead Reckoning. Dead Reckoning has had many, many different partners in the past, but you know, right now he is currently the world tag team champions with UCW along with Christian Fury. But this man right now currently holds, he is a former UCW heavyweight champion. And I do believe an octane champion as well, but he is the booker, the promoter, the creator, the owner of UCW. And he's on the shootout tonight. Without further ado, night soccer, Michael Saint, Mr. Don, welcome to the show. Man, what's up? Man, dude, are you okay? It's a little bullfrog. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I got bronchitis. Oh, man. Damn, dude. So, a month later, I had to bronchitis and I couldn't continue and continue on my show. What are you trying to show me up here, man? Hey, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. You know, but hey, seriously, though, man, welcome to the show. I'm honored to have you on here. So, Enough of this coronavirus BS. People here talk about wrestling. So let's get right to wrestling. So here we go. All right, Christian Fury. All right. You met this man bringing up UCW and everything. Let's talk about some humble beginnings of United Championship Wrestling at the tail end of the AWF. So my first question is you is Christian Fury. Now, myself and Christopher Dickens resigned AWF from personal and professional reasons, and you already know the reasons why. No point bringing that shit back up. But what was your mindset with with uh, with Night Stalker this time? Because you guys still ran a couple of shows at AWF before y'all started to try to do UCW. So, what were some of the conversations about? Well, you we gotta go back probably about a year prior to that before the the for the whole incident with AWF because UCW was trying to come in. Uh, prior to this, like a year prior, and <clears throat> had some roadblocks in the way. Um, I think it was Night Stalker and Deathbringer that was trying to start up UCW, along with some others that fl- uh, fell away into the sunset, you know, after they said they would help out. But, <clears throat> yeah, I was approached then about uh, working with them and, you know, playing a character, and which I was down for because at the time, it's like every time I tried to play heel... You know, within a month or two, I'd wind up going right back to being a face. So <clears throat> I was intrigued by it. But with, with everything that went on with AWF, which we're not going to be <clears throat> beat that whole talked about it plenty of times. Um, and we're probably going to be talking about it again here soon on another episode. But that's not tonight. Um, <clears throat> with UCW coming in on the horizon more groundwork started getting started for trying to get UCW on the ground. And instead of me just being that talent, because pretty much everybody was jumping on and jumping off the bandwagon, I was approached about it. So I did what I could to help out. And that's when we were able to actually get all, all the ducks necessary to get into a row. And we had a date. We had a date for the first show. We had a card assembled for this first show. And that would be April 26th, 2016. Yeah, or April 24th. 20, mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this question. Like you said, now, I know you were approached, okay? Because you were the sole owner of the AWF during this time. Is this correct? 
at the point in time correct. Now, my question is, who runs the Stovall Wrestling Network, has been a guest in the wrestling shootout a couple of times. He's always asking this question. Now, I'm going to ask the two of you, because this is a question I never asked you before, boss. I never asked Mr. Nightstalker this question either. This question just actually just popped in my head, to be all honest with you. But I know Caleb Stovall <laughs> always asking this question on the shootout. Why couldn't it have been AWF? So, like, if me and Christopher were out, you know, and you had full control of the AWF, was there ever talks between the two of you? Who says, hey, you know, why don't we try to make this AWF? Why UCW? You know, but AWF already had the reputation. It's already established promotion. You know, I mean, was that ever talked about? I mean, I know obviously you guys went UCW, but was it ever talked about doing AWF? Go ahead. Go ahead. Both of you. I'm, I'm working on this. If it was, it was kind of a fleeting thought because. In the back of my mind, yeah, I know that you and Chris walked away for your own your own reasons, which we talked about, like we said. And um, <clears throat> it was one of those that I was getting burned out. And with UCW, it was a chance to start over, start anew. <clears throat> and I guess the reason why, if it was said, it was said kind of in passing. We didn't really sit and really talk about AWF. Being being the flagship, the banner or whatnot, was um, we didn't know what kind of flag. In the back of my mind, I didn't know what kind of flag we would have had if AWF would have stepped in and made that first show. So, you know, I. But honestly, I don't remember ever really sitting down and having that serious conversation about AWF instead of UCW. Okay, that's a good answer. Don, what do you think, man? What mean? Is it ever going through your mind? This is, hey, if Bill and Chris are out, I want to step up. Let's take Adrian up to the next level. We and you are in charge. Screw Bill and Chris. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, talking. You know, like I said, we're all cool now, but this is 2020. My question is, did it ever cross your mind at all? I'm just, you know, cross your mind or bringing up a conversation, man. On, with, with your people, with anybody else other than Jay? No, I, I can't recall any time that we talked about it other than, you know, you know, I I was loyal to AWF and I was sad to see it fall apart. But at the same time, AWF had a reputation, like you said, and it wasn't all good. So, uh, you know, no, you was. had your issues. No, and, and I'm going to, and I want you to know this, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this right now in the rest of the sheet, though. I am working on a project where, um, on several promotions, not just AWF, but I'll get the promotions later. I'm working on a special, because I got the idea from KFA Commentaries. Have you ever heard of the, the WWE timeline shoot, WCW timeline shoot? We break each year down from beginning to end, or vice versa, what was going on. You know, I definitely want you involved in this project. I'm going to do an, an AWF timeline shoot and break each year down. Or I might do like 2002 to 2005, <laughs> or like 2006 to 2008. Or in your case, when you came in very, very explosive in 29, might have you in there talking about 2009 of everything that happened. You break it down in your opinion. You know, what was going good, what was going back, all the way up to the end where it really fell apart, you know. 
But let's move forward from uh, from AWF and everything. UCW. <laughs> where does the where did you get the name UCW from? Where does it really come from? What makes you decide United Championship Wrestling? Well, I came up with that because there was a group of us united together to do this. And one by one, they fell off the bandwagon, you know, and uh, I just kept them in. But what makes you keep going now? My notes tell me this. You know, you you tried places like, like, like downtown Augusta. I can't remember the name of the park. God dang it. What's that park called? Diamond Lakes. Diamond Lakes. I, I've heard you went to Diamond Lakes. I've heard you've gone to high schools and gymnasiums. I've heard you've gone to rec centers. You know, even the YMCA. I know Fury briefly mentioned about a year prior, but I know you had the YMCA locked on. But it always seemed like you either had outside forces trying to stop that show from happening. You know, but you, you didn't give up. You didn't give up until you finally got a rec center at the Deering. The, the, the rec center in Deering. So, what was your motivation, man? I mean, did you just love wrestling that much, or you just determined not to give up? Yeah, I heard, uh, you know, all through AWF, the whole time I was there, hey, we're going to go indie, we're going to go indie. And uh, it never happened. And uh, I, I didn't want to start out in the backyard, and I, I was going to go indie one way or another. So... You know, a lot of struggles, financial, you know, outside forces, the universe working against us, you know. But we, we finally got that show in Deering and, and uh, you know, lost about three grand on it. But, hey. <laughs> now, now, I've heard you sit there and say about AWF that, you know, yeah, we're going to go indie, we're going to go indie. You probably heard that for over two or three years and then. It just it just didn't happen. I'm not going to 100% blame all the outside forces, but I'm got to be real. There was a lot of outside forces trying to stop this, and then, but in the end, you know, me and Jay Christopher, I don't know, backed out. It would just seem like, in my personal opinion, if we can't get it right now, I'm not going to waste three grand and take that away from my family. Although I would lose it later anyways, but that's another story, <laughs> you know. But my question is, like that first show ended, you got to be, okay, yeah, you did lose three grand, but that's got, it's got to make you feel a tad bit good. If you can always hold that over, I, I'm not going to just say Chris Dickens, that was Jay's head in my head as well. You know, it was just, yep, you know, I've got that <laughs> At least I had one in the show, you know. Chris will probably come in here and tell you something different, but I'll let Chris speak on that later on, you know. Um there are a lot of rumors about that show, man. I'm not going to try to beat a dead horse in the ground. Here, but I know Fury's had a chance to answer some of these questions at the, about the very first uh, show. Before I get into Caleb Kitchens and uh, Antoine Brewer, you know, the fireman, um, I want to ask you this question here. Now, why Christian Fury? What was the what was the creative thinking about putting the championship belt on him? And the reason why I say this, you know. Fury did not get a lot of love from wrestling with Jesus. Flatline wanted absolutely nothing to do with him. You know, Billy Jonathan gave him a couple booking opportunities. Brennan, yeah, obviously, they took upon himself to book himself to win the heavyweight title in AWF. And me and him had some bad words about that on the previous shows. And you guys can check that out, my archives in the shootout. But I want to know your thoughts. You know, you had other 
good talent. I'm not trying to say Christian Fury is not good talent. He's a, in my opinion, Fury's proven himself as a good uh, as a good wrestler. You know, but that being said, um, you had other talent. What made you pick like decide go with Christian Fury? Versus someone like Adrian Davis. I've heard some people <clears throat> criticize that for a show and said you should have went with Davis and not Fury. You know, and I've, I've had people came on the show and made that very, very same comment. Uh, but I'm curious, man, what, what was your thought process of making Christian Fury the guy? Well, this goes back before Fury was involved in all the decision making. Um, Deathbringer and I sat down, we looked at people, uh, we were watching YouTube videos of people that we didn't even know, uh, right. you know, and, and at, at that point, I, I barely knew Adrian Davis, you know, um, I think I had a couple matches with him in tag team matches, uh, yeah. Yeah. um, you know, so I really didn't know the man, uh, but we, we came to the conclusion, you know. Uh, Deathbringer and I said, Christian Fury would be a good person. We want to turn him heel. Uh, you know, we think he could do a great job. And, uh, you know, he, he's highly underrated, in my opinion. You know, uh, a lot of people don't agree with the decision, but I knew I could count on him to be there at every show. You know, put the belt on him, he'd be there, and we'd go from there. <clears throat> and uh, we, we didn't have any idea how long we're having hold it i mean the idea was six months to a year um and uh so i went with somebody that i knew i could trust to be there and do their job and not bitch and complain and do what i tell them to do you know <clears throat> and fury was that man nothing against Adrian davis Yes, Adrian Davis is a hell of a worker, a hell of an athlete, you know. But at the time, when I was making these decisions, I didn't know him that well. Right, right. Well, that makes a lot of sense, you know. And and and, and I, I, I go back to the old AWA days and Vern Gagne put the belt on Larry Zabisco. Heck, that was his son-in-law. But at the same time, every, if you look at the track record, every time Vern would put a belt on someone, Vincent Mann snatched him right up, you know. So Vern had to find someone that was going to be loyal, you know. So while you know in Christian theory, you knew he was going to show up. You knew he was going to try to do his damage to put on a good show, you know. And you need somebody you can trust and represent your promotion. Now, I get that. I get that. You know, some promoters are coming here and says. And you've been criticized this by a lot of people, and I'm trying to think how to say this. You let's, never let's get one at, thing straight. You never looked at the big pictures. What I'm trying to say, they were trying to say, "Well, nice talk not thinking about money. He's just trying to help his friends out." You know, it, it, it is the Special Olympics Make a Wish program. You'll be a wrestler. Go work for UCW. Now, I did defend you on that one. Now, that's that's a straight up BS right there. I would not. Except criticisms like that, but that was some of the remarks you're being said. You've had to hear some of these things. So when someone says you're not thinking about trying to make money, like say for instance, if you had someone like Sean Legacy, God, I knew rephrase that. I don't want to use that for example. I don't want to give him too much credit. You know, but even someone like Hey, Sean Legacy's come a long way, man. 
Oh, he's come a long, come a long way. I'm not trying to shit on you know, Sean Legacy here. I just don't want to use him as this for an example. That's what I'm trying to say. And um, what I meant to say was like, Sean Legacy, you know, he has that special look. He has a look you want to put on your poster boy. You know what I'm saying? That's the kind of that's the kind of you know. As, as I'm listening to the Arn Anderson podcast show, and they say things like, you know, well, Arn Anderson didn't look like a world champion, but Bill Goldberg is. But Arn Anderson get to have circles around Bill Goldberg in the ring. I mean, so you know that's what I meant when I was comparing him to Sean Legacy. You know, with like, you know, Sean Legacy could sell tickets. Look at this guy, Christian Fury. He couldn't sell a ticket if he was constipated in the bathroom. And yes, I've heard people say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, sorry, I had a call. Excuse me. <clears throat> and apparently, this is this is these are some of the stuff that was said for years ago, 2016. Some people were very, 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 very bitter at the time, you know. And Christian uh, Fury, this is his response, Don. It's lonely at the top. You know, so I guess is why I'm asking you is <laughs> explain your way of thinking, you know. I, I somehow uh, people are just jealous and just talking smack, but let's say you by some of your critics out there as far as putting the belt on theory. Uh let, let's get one thing straight. Everybody's got their own opinion. <laughs> Doesn't mean they're right. It does not mean they're right. All right. Uh and, and write this know, down. Write I put the belt on theory because I I can I can trust don't, him to be don't, here. Don't. Don, 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 Don. I don't, I don't want, I don't mean to cut you off, man. I'm really sorry. Jay, write that down. I want to get a t-shirt made. Just because you got opinion doesn't make it right. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna set out the shootout website. Website. I like that answer. Write that down, Jake. I'm gonna forget it. Just because you right. got opinion, I'll make it right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> like I said, I picked Fury because I knew he'd be there. I could trust him to be there. I could trust him to do what he's supposed to do. And he's always done that for me. Great answer, man. Great answer. Um, now, now, let's do talk about, before we, I'm going to talk about this first show here. You know, I've heard some talent in the back one time. One of the shows I went to, I want to say it was where Love, where I had those shows at the, the video game Heaven. Some of my talent pool were kind of saying you should have done a tournament and span out for a few shows. What made you decide to do a Fatal 4-Way and where Christian Fury won the heavyweight title. Why not? Why do what everybody else is doing? No, no, I mean that's fine. I just, I just, I just heard some people saying. I'm just kind of curious. What was your thought process? Like, no, no, I want to do a fader four way. I'm going to crown my champion today. I don't want to wait six months. Now. My thing, my thing was, did you know you're going to have a second show, or you put everything? It's kind of like Vince McMahon putting everything, the house, the cars, everything at WrestleMania. If it didn't work, we're out of business. I mean, did you have a um, a future plan with UCW, or you're just winging it month after month? Or you put everything you got in this one show, praying you make enough money to do a second, you know? Yeah, pretty much. Everything that I had saved up went into the show. Uh, you know? No. Uh, I should have had double the money, but uh, I didn't wait long enough to build up double the money. So, you know, I did did the show. It was a uh, you know, if we make it, we make it. If we don't, we don't. You know, but, and, and it's like that with every show for everybody. I don't care what they say. You could have five hundred people in your building one month, and the next month it could be fucking empty. 
You know, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you just don't know. You know, I mean, you know, uh, unfortunately, I didn't do so great on my first show. Now, I'm not trying to beat you over the head here, man, but you know, what was your thought process when you were trying to advertise for the first show? I mean, I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm just telling you what I hear. Things I hear a lot of, dude. I'm not gonna lie to you. The people, some people that hang around you and Jay, you know, I was still talking to them. Had a lot of criticisms, and then, you know, you feed into it, and I fed into it, you know, and it, and it, it could be, you know, and I've heard stories that, well, if the man just did this this would have happened. Or if a man would have just done that, then this happened. And I'm like, okay, I know what the phrase is now, one armchair quarterback, you know. But, I mean, you had to have some type of thought process. Okay, I got to get butts in the seats. You know, what do I need to do? Hung out flyers. Hung the, sh- hung the hell out of flyers. Uh, you know, uh, didn't, didn't do a whole lot of social media because I wasn't really on social media a whole lot, but did a little bit you know um the guy that i had for uh doing the pr public relations the advertising all that stuff all the promoting stuff he wasn't there anymore so can you tell us who that is or are you, you want to top his name it was death it was death you know he had to move he had to move back with his mom she wasn't doing so good yeah i understand though i understand that yeah how is how is Deathbringer doing all day? I ain't heard I ain't heard nothing from him in four years. He's doing good. He's in uh, Indiana, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah I know he's heart. engaged. Uh, you know that that type of stuff. <laughs> well, congratulations, congratulations. Um, now now, Chris Dickens and Caleb Kittens was on the show when I very, very first started the shootout. I might this might have been my third or fourth show. It could be my second show. I, I can't remember. But anyways, Caleb Kitchens comes on my podcast and tells us a story. And Christopher, you know, jumped all over it. You know, keep this in mind. People were very, very bitter in 2016. Okay. So okay. I don't think not one I don't think not one nice thing was said about UCW show, and they really um, really shit on it. And I was just reacting and responding. I was like, Kitchens, he really did that? He really said to you? He's like, hell yeah, he did. I'm like, well, damn, that's fucked up, Chris. What do you got to say about it? You know, and then Chris was just really shot on it. And it's a story where Kitchens tells, he comes to UCW, you approach us, hey, did you buy a ticket? And Kitchens like, uh, no. Oh, you got to go. You're not buying a ticket or something like that, that line. And then the rumor was, Andrew Brewer, the same thing. He shows up and then buys the ticket. And then, and the fact that Christopher said, if I knew Brewer was there, I would have had him there in intermission. I would have came down, found a way to get him there, yada, yada. I would have done this. I would have done that. I would have personally refunded his money back on there. And I'm just kind of like, okay, I'll keep this in mind. Chris wasn't there. Hell, I wasn't there. Like I said, we're, we're basing our information off second and third sources. You guys were there. Set the record straight. What really happened? With Anshar Brewer and Caleb Kitchens. <laughs> with Caleb, I see him. I asked him if he bought a ticket. He said no. I said, are you comped in? He said no. Of course. I, I was fucking with him. You know, I've, I've known Caleb for a while. But uh, 
He said, I can't stay anyways. I got to go to work. And I said, oh, I was fucking with you anyways. Uh, I don't know if he heard fuck you anyway or what, but, you know. <laughs> I think he said, I think he, I think he heard you say F you then or something like that. And maybe you said, I was just effing with him. He said F you. <laughs> I don't know. I said, I was just fucking with you anyway. So, you know, he might have heard fuck you anyway. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I talked to him afterwards and he, he said, yeah, if you said, if you you wouldn't have been joking with me. We'd have had problems. Yeah, whatever. I mean, apparently, you got problems with it. You blowing your mouth all over the place about it. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, he, he I was messing around. around. You know, I was ribbing you. It's it's what we do. We know each other. You know, yeah. I wasn't gonna fucking charge him. Any one of the guys could have comped him in. There's plenty of them that didn't use comps that night. <laughs> <laughs> Do I know Antron? Now, now yeah. with with Antron the fireman, I asked him to be a part of the show. He said that he had to work. He didn't know if he'd be able to make it. Well, that being said, he was in it. He wasn't there. What? I think originally he was supposed to be in it. Yeah, but he had to work. So right. I understand. You got to make your money. You know, no biggie. I, I'm cool with that. Well, he got off. He came to the show. Now, my mother-in-law was at the door selling the tickets. All right. She don't know Antron. She don't know any of these guys. But I needed somebody there to sell the ticket. So she charged him a ticket. And he came in. Uh, I think it was during the intermission. So, I mean, he didn't even get a full show. And, uh. You know, so I don't think Storm would have bought a ticket either. Eric Melford was there as well. Yeah, I don't know if he was comped in or if he bought a ticket. I don't know. But I contacted Antron afterwards and asked him if he bought a ticket. I said, if he did, I'll reimburse you the money. He said, don't worry about it. You need it. So, I mean. So you did initially offer it to him. And he just, he basically yes. refused because, no, y'all needed it, you know. I mean, um, yeah. everything I've heard Everybody about Antron, damn opinion. Um, I think people was just, like I said, trying to steer the pot, if you know what I mean. Get other people with fumes going for their own entertainment, you know. I'm thinking about when they used to be. Go ahead, Jay. As a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, we didn't even know uh, the fireman was there until the main event. At least that's what I didn't yeah, know I seen him it. out there as I was coming back as as I was coming back to the back after intermission. I seen him out there. I went and shook his hand, but we didn't have time to say, "Hey, you got your gear." No, we didn't have that kind of time. Or or, or the Russian would have been out of the main event, and I put a, the fireman in there. You know. Well, you know, it was still a great night. I mean, Christian Fury won his second major title. Let me rephrase that. I'm going to take that back. He won his um, um, indie heavyweight title, I guess you could say. I mean, let's just face it. AWF didn't quite get the indie level. It was a backyard environment. I've got different opinion on that, personally. You know, I don't see where a roof got to be over someone's head to make it special. Just my opinion. We did a good show, and people came to the show and enjoyed our matches. I mean, you're going to tell me Christian Fury beating Oz Knight when every title wasn't special? 
you know, I'm, I'm going to argue that all day long with people, you know, but, you know, Christian Fury, like that, you know, winning his heavyweight title, I knew that was a good moment for him, you know. Um, my next question is this. I'm, I'm going to say one more thing about this show and then we're going to move forward. You know, another rumor in Indy window was, like, I think Jay's going to get a laugh at this. Matter of fact, he laughed when I told this over the phone. Um, if you're the heavyweight champion, you did not break the ring down. And some people are complaining that Fury spent holding the belt, holding in the air, taking pictures with, with fans, and, and, and sitting there with his family and enjoying the moment where people are breaking the ring down. Only two people, supposedly. And they kept looking at Jay, and he walked the other way, refusing to help break the ring down. And I laughed, and I laughed. And I don't care if I said this in the podcast before, but when I called and mentioned to him, and Jay got a good laugh, too. But, you know, what, what was your policy, you know, Mr. Brown? About if you're the world champion, it is not your responsibility to break the ring. <laughs> Someone told me this, and, and they were talking shit about it too. He said, Who the F thinks you watch just because you got a belt? You're too damn good to break the ring down. And I said, This really happening in ECW? I was like, Oh, God, yeah, man. It happens every single time. Jay always disappears after the show. I'm sitting there, I'm shaking my head because you got you to know me. I know Jay. I've seen Jay break rings down. For over a decade, okay? You're not going to sit there and tell me just because he's now the champ, he's not going to break the ring down. Matter of fact, I've seen Jay by himself countless times when he was AWA champion breaking the ring down. So I didn't buy that for a second, but I, I just thought I'd share that with you and Kirsten, your response on that. Because apparently they heard it from you. Hey, if you're my champion, it's not your responsibility to break the ring down. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, I'll let you take that. That's news to me. That's news to me because. <laughs> You know, I sure as hell wouldn't break the ring down if I didn't have to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Fury and I touched that ring three, four times a show. If I wasn't the first one there, I was damn sure the last one to leave. So yeah, and nine times out of ten, I was the main event being the champion. So it took me a little bit to get out of my gear to get down there. But keep in mind, the first show, my uncle had died that day. So I was fighting emotions that day anyway so if i wanted to take a moment out to spend time with my family after the match was over and celebrate a moment in his memory then screw him oh yeah man dude i'm not not arguing that i mean jay you're not you've paid your dues in this business man i don't care what anyone says i mean you just have to pay your dues enjoy the freaking moment okay people are just I, i don't know that part, I, I just shook my head about. I didn't even, you know, I just thought I mentioned that on the show. Oh. I'm just kind of Did Don really put that in policy? If you're my champion, you don't have to break the ring down. That was the uh, Indy Andy, uh, uh, in Grovetown. It was yeah. me, Don, and Josh setting up the ring the night before. Okay. Oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. Uh, probably more times than the freaking, you know, at the time, the owner of the damn ring at the time which wasn't Don at the time, you know, probably laid my hands on this thing so many times I can puke because at least four times on a show weekend, at least four different times, you know, between loading it onto the, the trailer, getting it, driving it to the show using my truck, you know, unloading it, setting it up, then breaking it down, putting it back on the trailer, getting it back to the house just to unload it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I touched that ring more than a lot of people. Let me ask this question here, Mr. Fury. What time would you finally put your head on the pillow at, after all that's said and done? 
after a show. Well, <laughs> depends on the circumstances. If if we were borrowing a ring from Lyons, Georgia, chances are by the time we got the building cleaned up, everything's set up, and everybody quit talking so we can get out of there, get down the lines to drop the ring, and we'd pray, no disrespect to Scotty, but pray that Scotty was asleep when we dropped this ring off because Scotty could talk, get the ring dropped off, and head on back up to Augusta area. I would probably be laying my head down between 4.30 and 5 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. Damn. You're a worker's worker, Jay. Okay. Man, this, this, man, this man was at a promotion. <laughs> this man was at a promotion that he didn't even wrestle at, and he helped break down the ring. Yeah, it's live wire. <laughs> I wasn't gonna name any names, but yeah. I yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Now, yeah, before I move before I move forward uh, to the future show, so many things were going on at your first show. Okay, rumor was and this is a story I'm getting told from. I, I will admit it. Sometimes it's some of it's second, third, and fourth sources, just people I'm talking to. But these are stuff that I'm hearing, you know, through other people. That uh, Joshua Hancock, which we all know is the owner of Firewall Pro, and then of course, like I said, founder days of the AWF, he's got AWF a few times to watch some of the shows and been part of the shows a couple of times, and which is all cool. Rumor was that he was supposed to be the vice president of UCW. He was hoping to be running UCW to some type of degree, but day of the show, he tells you, "No, I'm just here to watch. I'm not part of that. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm, I'm gonna do my own thing." That he buys EWA's wrestling ring at the Phillips Station. I think it was the Phillips Station. Remember the place I was, and, and it's going to go start his own thing. Well, Don, how did that sit with you? That guy who thought was going to be your business partner tells you the day of the show, no, he's not your business partner. He's getting his own ring. He's going to do his own thing. You got to know at that point you're going to be having some direct competition. And see how this thing is going to play out in your What was your thought process at that time? If that rumor is first, true, first of all, first first of all, we were never business partners. Okay, okay. I was I was ha- I was having him play a role. He wanted he wanted to have a role in it, so I was going to let him be the vice president. And so that was just going to be a storyline gimmick thing. It was. It was going to be a storyline gimmick. The day of the show, he decided, no, I'm not doing it. And he, he didn't. I knew he was going to start up Viral Pro. Uh, I knew before that show even started. And okay. so uh, he, he said, no, I don't, I don't want to have me associated with both promotions. And I was fine with that. You know, kind of sucked. He waited until the day of. And I was like, well, fuck, now I ain't got anybody here to talk. You know, but. Okay, now, now at this point, at this point in time, they said you already knew he was going to be doing Viral Pro. Did it ever cross your mind at all that this is going to be direct competition with you? Did you see the guys as a threat, or you're going to be too busy doing your own thing? Even think about it. I didn't see him as a threat. I didn't, I didn't think of it as a threat. You know, there's plenty of room around here for everybody to do the thing. Or so it seems. You know, if you can get um, along, and if you get along and work together, you you have potential to make even more money. You know, well, that was like, my thing. It seems like nobody has that mentality. 
I have heard that so many times over 20 years that I've been involved in professional wrestling. It always turns to a clash of egos. Nobody has a one word together. Did I see promotions try to have joint shows? They might pull one show up, maybe two at the most, but then after that, disband. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I've seen them with AWF and Flatline. I've seen them with Flatline and TWF. I, I, guys, Jay, even we try to work something out with SWF and Thompson of our own. You know, I mean, I, I, other promotions too. I'm just, that's just the name of a few. But even TWF and uh, WFJ, WFJ and, and Flatline. I have seen so many promotions blow up in an outraging war. You know, why would you think that would work when it, clearly the egos would never allow that to happen? Yeah, you would think that people could work together and make more money. I, I just never seen it happen successfully. You know, I mean, hell, we, we can go bad. back to the 90s when Virginia tried to light all the territories together to go up against Vince. <laughs> that didn't last long at all. You know, this man said he knew their egos would, would, wouldn't let it happen. You know, but like I say, in your opinion, though, man, why, why do you think that would work if people can work together and make more money? Well, clearly, it's never happened. Matter of fact, you're begging for a spark of a If you put aside the egos, if you put aside the egos and the power struggle, it could work. But there's always, hey, I want to be in charge of everything. You know? <laughs> I want control of everything. And nobody wants to give up control of their company. So I don't want to give up no. control of mine. Viral Pro, he don't want to give up control of his. You know, Galaxy Pro, Livewire, Bushido, nobody wants to give up control. You know? Well, I know Chris will come in here and says, well, can you blame him? And I think I've even heard Alan say this once or twice to me in, in a private conversation when we're having the same discussion me and you have had. And it says, if you get two corporations going for a merger, try to work together. If one leader is doing a little bit better and the other side kind of see it and they kind of want to merge for him, then they're going to outvote that leader and kick him to the curb. Now, Jay, stay here on a live here on the shootout. Then Justin Hollywood was worried, oh, no, we can't form a new team because y'all going to vote me out of my own company. Because once people see, they're going to listen to us and listen to him. Boom, he's yesterday's news. And didn't they, and then Christopher tried to prove that before, way back in the day when AJ was going to work business with another promotion, where Christopher tried to prove he was smarter than the other guy and tried to get everybody to listen to him and not listen to that guy. It, it's all... My opinion, the, the biggest evils in wrestling is not just cash and creative, but like the political and ego, political and egos and power. You know, like you just said, man, who's going to give up their power? I mean, you would think Billy Johnson is going to give up Livewire to work with Machido or Full Fledge or work with uh, UCW or, or you think Timothy Black is going to work with Joshua Hancock is, and try to work together because it's not going to work forever. Because, like you said, who's going to want to give up their power? You know, I mean, uh, that's why all he is. He didn't want to work for Vince McMahon. Uh, now, now y'all could do a super show. Now, now, they could all do a super show and not have a problem. You get these many matches, we get this many matches, they get that many matches. That's it. You, you're in control of your matches. Okay. Now, WCW tried to do a joint show with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, 91 and 92. But, big, big, like I said, here, here's the thing, you know. They're not going to let one of their top guys lose to your top guy. So you're going to have to create a 60-minute draw, 30-minute Broadway, or a double DQ. They're like, well, it's like if you have a champion versus champion, okay. Like they don't, they don't see the big picture where, okay, you guys win it this time. A couple months later, you know, we're going to win it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do it back and forth kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? But here's the point, okay. 
if if if, if Christian Fury is your UCW champion and he happens to take on, let's just say, um, Jeremy Cruz and Lovewire, if Fury wins, right, then three months later we're gonna have the big return match and everything. You could pull out and say, no, no, we don't beat you. We're gonna prove to y'all. And then the last impression is going to be was Christian UCW defeats their live wire champion. You know what I'm saying? I I've seen that happen. You know, I mean, hey, hey Jay, did one time they did it versus FCW that freaking happened. Milford won and fought line to win, but Christopher Smell something was up, so he let the last second change the freaking script, and the ADF champion won. World War Three broke out to the point where all ADF got their vehicles and hauled butt to Grovetown. All frontline chased them. You oh know. man, it was almost a weekly occurrence. <laughs> Which time? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could do joint shows, but then who was going to go over? Who's going to win this match? Who's going to win that match? You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, now the reason why Raw and SmackDown makes it work because Vince controls both of them. You know, Raw had no choice but to put SmackDown over year after year after year on Survivor Series, if you remember, because. Vince old both brands, you know. Regardless, WWE is still gonna make money. You know, Vince could control the situation. And that's why they have the unification of the world. <laughs> Vince control promotions. You know, I just don't see how it works with the egos won't allow it to happen. Well, okay, I'm gonna speak on this right here. Here, here's another reason why it won't happen. A lot of the promotions around here that could work together use a lot of the same talent. So it'll be a foot race on, are you getting uh, UCW's version of Hunter Young? Or are you going to get IWE's version of Hunter Young? Or are you going to get Viral uh, Pro's version of Hunter Young? You know, yeah. or, or, you know who, who is this person going to represent this week? You know? That's the problem you're going to run into with a lot of the promotions around here. I mean, there's only a few that are brand specific. Let's say, you know, like Jeremy Cruz is specific to Livewire. You know, um, say I'm specific to UCW at the current moment. You know, but there's a lot of guys that bounce back and forth between all these other promotions. Who would they represent? That is one of the bigger problems on the reason why you're not going to be able to get together and be able to do this super show because the casual fan that goes to all these shows because they just love wrestling won't know if they're representing one brand or the other. And it might confuse them because it might be a heel in this company. And then the next week they're in this company and they're the baby face. You know, it's not straight across the board. That's why it wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, damn, I'm just thinking about the whole scenario like we just got through talking about, man. It's just, mm, it, it, you know, it, it could work. It should work. But the, the balance of the power and the egos and, you know, and Fury, everything you just said is is, is 100% correct and true. You know, but people, the way I look at it, though, the people that would benefit from this would be the fans buying the tickets. And the more people come into buy tickets to see great wrestling, that's going to be money in your pocket. So you would think, though, think about a big payday. You know, I mean, if I'm in 300, okay, yeah, I'm going to work a series with uh, Sean Legacy. You know, yeah, I'm going I'm to put you over a couple times a day. I'm going to get my rematch, you know, boom, 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 and create, create a series. And then, you know, if the matches are good, the people are going to keep coming because they're going to see a rivalry. At the end of the day, it's how much money you make. But, uh, 
like, like I've heard this said on so many times on the Jim Ross um, podcast, Grueling Jr. The biggest problem with the talent is there are two things: cash or creative. Either they hate the creativity what's going on, or they hate the payout that they're going to give him. You know, I got like Scott Hall. They said, "Beat me every day, but pay me." Let's figure out we have, let's figure out how we can make money. Or someone like Brahar said, "No, no, no, no. I want, I, I, I want to win. I want to win. You put the belt on me. I don't care what you pay me. I just want to win." You know, and there's some guys who refuse to do a job because it's going to hurt their image. Don't want to put somebody over. I'm not going to lose to a live wire guy. I'm not going to lose. You know, if I'm in the IWE, I'm in the best promotion in this part of town. I'm not going to lose to a viral crowd. You know, viral broke, I would be able to say the same thing. You know, says, so, no, man, we're the top dogs. We're the number one promotion. You ain't going to beat me. You know, so then how do you work it out? And that's when the top promoter puts a listen here. You're either going to work this out. Y'all ain't going to rush for me again. Y'all good luck finding jobs in Alabama and Marietta and Tennessee. Y'all good luck with that. But I just don't see the promoters even being like that, you know. And then, oh, man, I know we're going round and round with this, but, you know, let's move forward. Let's move forward, guys. I mean, I, I think we're being a dead bush in here. And, you know, this is supposed to be about Don's first year at UCW. Um, you guys go to the Haven. Y'all leave. You leave the arena. You you said you you paid and lost three thousand dollars in this first show. You didn't make that much back. So then you decided to go to the video game Haven. So I'm guessing you got a pretty decent deal worked out with them. My question is to you: Is Bill Johnson came on the show and says whatever deal y'all worked out with him prevented him from wrestling? Now I'm kind of curious. What the hell was he talking about? Yeah, I'm kind of curious about that myself. Because uh, the man that owns video game heaven or heaven, whatever it is, heaven, uh, yes. he contacted me and said, hey, I want you to do a show. I, I even said what, what happened with Livewire. He said, we're done doing business. That was it. Okay. Livewire's not there. They're not doing business with each other. I can go there. So yeah, I went, he went there. It's your fault why he can't do shows there. He, he uh, him, him, yeah. and, him and uh, the man had a falling out at some point. Mm, okay. <clears throat> okay. Well, let's 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 fast forward. I know you guys didn't have a whole lot of matches out there at the Haven, but you guys did found a good location in Grovetown, Georgia, at a really cool gymnasium at the Fellowship Baptist Church. Now, I want to talk a little bit here about. Um, you giving full now. Rumor is you giving full control to Christian Fury on the booking. Is that true? On how to book a show at the Grotel? That's what the rumor in the window was. No, no. Because I, I had him write. Uh, I had him write a storyline for me. I told him who I wanted in it. And I said, write it. I'll take a look at it, and if I like it, we'll do it. He wrote it. He wrote it out for me. I read it. I liked it. We went with it. And y'all decided to go with um, another veteran of AWF, one more FCW champion, if you would, um, Justin Chambers. What's the thought price? Why picked him? Why Why did you agree to have a have a series with him? What What was the selling point to you that you like about that? A Fury versus Chambers matchup. Well, they're familiar with each other for one thing. So you know they can do a match, and they can make it look damn good. Right. On the other hand, 
It's somebody I can trust to be there. Do you know what I mean? Well, not to, not you, to you, always, you, you, you need your champions there. You need your champions there. That's the, You need your champions there. No matter who you are, if your champion doesn't show up, what the fuck are you going to do? Yeah, you got a point. That's happened before the promotions. I see some promotions uh, go out of business if their top guys are not there. <laughs> you advertise them to be there, and they don't show up, and you got to go find somebody else. I mean, I, I, I get that. You know, and, and Justin Chambers is a general technician, good wrestler. You know, I think he's, again, underrated. I don't, I don't think he gets the full credit he deserves because if he really wants to, Unfortunately, I'm going to sit there and say there are sometimes he's disappointed me in some of his matches. Now, what was going on behind the scene? I don't know. But there are some matches he did. I'm like, come on, man. He could have done better. And I, you know, but then again, I don't know what was going on. But there are sometimes, man, the man's hungry. He can have a foul match with anybody. But like I said, some people just have bad days. You know, but I, I think he had a pretty decent rivalry with Christian Fury, though. I mean, what were some of your you know, likes and dislikes, but the few that he had, which would treat uh, the role of Chief Fury and Chambers. You know, from a booker and promoter standpoint, I mean, do you think those guys delivered their thing they said they're going to deliver? I mean, do you think the fans went home happy when they pay a ticket to see your show? Did they go home happy by watching that feud? Or you, or you been like, come on, guys, what am I paying y'all for? You could have done better than that. I mean, any, I, any times at all. I think they did. Sir? I, I think they did a fine job. They did a okay. fine job. Because at, at the end of it, when he put Christian Fury's shoulders to the mat and took the belt, that place exploded. And that's what's supposed to happen. Um, okay, now let me ask you this scenario. Has there ever been a time when you booked a card and, and you've seen the match, and obviously they're staking up the place? Where you're having the crowd chain oxygen mask, oxygen tank, or whatever, you know. Did you ever scold anybody in the back for giving such a piss poor performance, or man, you just stunk up the place, or or even vice versa? Because I've seen this happen too. I'm sorry. Answer that question first, and I'll ask another question about another scenario, very similar. I've talked to people about the match. I don't think I really chewed anybody out for stinking up a place, you know, because sometimes stuff happens that you're not aware of during the match, um, you know. Are so. you, I mean, my, my question is, I've seen, I, I, like I said, I've been in the back with some indie promotions. They actually had a monitor in the locker room where they, the promoter can actually see what's going on. I could have sworn UCW had something like that. Did y'all have something like that? We had a monitor or something? And yeah, we, we did. We had, we had a camera up in the locker room. Uh, pointed down to the ring through a window and had a curtain up over oh, it and no. hooked it up to the TV. So, were y'all, were y'all paying attention what was going on or y'all just in there BSing around? I try to pay attention as much as possible. Um, you know, right, sometimes, right, right. you know, I might be down in the gorilla position, you know, uh, but I tried to have someone up there critiquing the match all the time. Uh, whether they did or not, you know. I don't remember the match. I'm trying to remember a match. I know me and Fury talked about it once before. I know it might be a couple of years ago. I remember the one the few times that I was there calling a match. I'm sitting there shaking my head, and I remember mentioning to Jay, and Jay's like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have booked that match. I knew that was going to be a train wreck right from the start. I do apologize, fans. I just can't think of the match right now. I guess it was that horrible. I got rid of it out of my memory. You know, but you ever saw any of your matches <clears throat> 
that you're like, my God, if I can go back, I wouldn't have booked that match because it was a train wreck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've okay. also seen matches that I thought were terrible, and the crowd reacted to them fucking amazingly. So that's happened yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is the question I, I, was, I was getting excited a minute ago. I had to stop myself. Now, I believe Mr. Fury can testify this too. I think he saw the same thing I saw. I can't remember if he was there that day or not, but. I remember I was specifically there. Matter of fact, it was at a flatline show, Jay, where Daniel E. Main just erupted. Stopped the show right then and there. Now, I don't think this ever happened in UCW, but I'm asking for an example. He actually stopped the show then and there, goes to the back, and just chews out. Okay? And, and, and this, this is why he's chewing out. These guys had a five-star match. An amazing match. <laughs> Crowd was going crazy. The only problem was the main event was up next. There's no way that main event was going to follow that. In my personal opinion, I would tell the main event guy to step up their A game like never before. Now, I guess the guys, I, don't, I can't remember who was the main event that night, but they didn't have the capabilities of even following that. If you ever had that problem in UCW where you looked at it as like, okay, I'm just giving an example. You know, Christian Fury said to defend that bill against Justin Chambers, but two matches prior to this, you made some <clears> other guys in there, and they just had a five-star match. The crowd went nuts. It's just going to be the top match of the night. What is your mindset to that? I mean, do you tell these guys, hey, do good, but not too good. I don't want to ruin my main event, you know, because I've even heard this happen in WCW and TNA and in WWE. I could tell you stories about how – People would get mad if, if 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 two people decide to go to what they call it go into business for themselves, you know, because they think they can outwork these other two guys. So they're gonna try the best match in the card. But yet, if they did, they can get fired for it later. Now, I'm just curious because you're you're a booker, you're a promoter. What's your standpoint on that? Or have you ever had to choose somebody out for having a better match than your main event guys? First of all, I'm not going to choose somebody out for having a better match than the main event guys because I want every match to be great. All right. If my main event guys, do you understand what my main event guys can't pick it up and do what they need to do to be the top? They don't need to be in the main event. I mean, that makes sense to me. Okay, that makes sense to me. I never did understood. And I'm like, okay, why are you chewing on the guys just gave you a great match, make your promotion look good? You know, but not, but not, but see, the main event guys are your buddies who help best thing in the promotion. Man, they just trying to help Shanna. And then, like I said, I've seen promotion stop the show dead in the track. Now, I never understood that. That basically drastically happens. Not because. Not because Brett and Shawn Michaels just had a freaking 10-star match and then Warrior and Andre is going to have a three-second popcorn fart match, if you know what I mean. I mean... I mean, damn. I mean, but do you understand the whole? Have you ever yourself seen that in other promotions you guys have been to? I've seen it on two or three occasions. Now, I, I've even told. I haven't seen it. Okay, now let me ask uh, you this question. Have you ever have you ever been saying, Don, Don, man, why? Okay, I'm, I'm going to give you an example, okay? I'm not saying this happened. That's not a rumor. I'm going to use an example, okay? Have you ever had, let's just say, Adrian Davis? No, no, man. You can't have Christian Fury 
come out after me. If he's, I, I, if I book before him, that he's not booked before me, you're telling me that he's better than me. I need to be booked later on the card. No, no, no. You can't have so-and-so booked before me. Has that ever happened to you as a booker? Someone came to you basically no, complaining. Nobody's, the car no, nobody's came out to me booked. and complained. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Say it again. Nobody's came up to me to, and complained. So I'm pretty much going to tell you, do your fucking job. That's what you're here for. Entertain those people out there. If you do better than Christian Fury, great. If you don't, then I got it right. I just never understood that. Don, you think there's something I think would come to that? I'm sitting there like, I do. I have witnesses. Jay, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? The famous story of how, how Chris Dickens put Brendan Parker in his place. You know, is it a flatline uh, show? I don't mean a backyard show. I mean an indie show. And Chris Dickens was there. He was booked a match after Parker. Supposedly, it's an old school way of thinking. If you're booked late in the card, that means you're more important than the guy's booked before you. And this guy threw a convention fit. <coughs> Bugging the booker. Please change it. Please change it. Please change it. You're going to give Dickie a big ego if he's booked after me. I said, no, 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 Parker. You're just like anybody else here. I'm booking Chris Dickens against James Houston after your match. And he just could not get over it. So I guess not just as a booker, but have you ever seen other promotions? I mean, I've seen that twice. That's just an example I'm going to give. Let's say it's an old school way of thinking. I mean, there's talks about even in 1995 with the Burr Hart and Bob Backlund matchup. You know, some guys are saying like, I'm not sorry, not Burr Hart and Bob Backlund, excuse me. Shawn Michaels and Diesel not being on last. They had Bam Bam and Lawrence Taylor, and they took that as the biggest slap to the face, kicking the nuts, and yada, yada, yada. You know, so Sean changed around and said, okay, try to top this. You know, I'm not going to be main event. I'm going to mess That's what you're supposed to do. Top that. Well, no, no, no. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand that. But some promoters, I'm not saying I'm one of them, but some promoters feel like, look, you got three, I need to have a three-bit match. I need to have a five-bit match. Listen, we're investing money in this guy right here, so I need him to have a five-star match. Let me see, uh, Steamboat, you get over here. You make this Elvis impersonator look good because we're going to push this guy to the moon. I need your job is to make him look good. Matt try to have a contest. Okay, who's got the best match of the night? Because some people will say, with some promoters, I'm not saying I agree with this philosophy. Let me say it, let me say it right now. But some promoters will say it's when a booker says, I don't care who has the best match of the night. You know, if someone's better than the main event, then obviously you, were, you deserve better. But I want, I want, I'm not going to shoot nobody out for having the best match of the night. A, a, a promoter will say, like, you got to have creative direction. You can't help everybody to have five star matches. You need a match to get the crowd up. You have to get the crowd down just a little bit, smooth it on now, build it on up for the explosion and thing at the end. You know, or if I'm paying someone money to make this guy look good, you better do what I'm telling you to do. If I'm bringing this talent in, I'm here to pay you 50 bucks to make this guy look good. That is your job. You're my heel. I need you to get heat, but I need you to make my baby face. Not try to go out there and outshine him and not shine the guys prior to that because I'm paying money for these guys. And they, they, try, they try to stay at the marketing thing. To me, that just sounds like a sports entertainment thing. If I'm running a wrestling promotion, one of the difference between wrestling and entertainment, because this is my philosophy, if it's a wrestling promotion, I want to see every match in the card look special. You know, I think me and Jay talked about this on hundreds of times. Like, when every, I want every card, I want every match in the card to mean something. You know, I don't want to have two or three, <laughs> two or three really good matches. I don't, I don't want to tell nobody that, you know, 
No, man, if he had the match that night, by all means, had the match that night. And then one guy says, oh, you don't know how to run a wrestling promotion. Because you don't want your top guy, you're making the championship around, get no, get no um, pop or no heat, you know. The, 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 you don't know how to run a promotion. I'm just I'm looking at the guy like he just lost his freaking mind, you know. And that's just like, okay, dude, whatever. <clears throat> but nah, no, I'm just uh, it's it's a promoter's job to or the booker's job to make this guy go out there and get heat. No, it's his job to go out there and get heat like he's supposed to. Not not the promoters. Uh, we we book you to do a job. We book you to entertain these fans. We book you to do what you're supposed to be able to do. If you can't do it, get the fuck out of the ring. I, I, I must have the wrong mindset because uh, I used to have an envelope. I put an undisclosed amount of money in there and I charge the guys two bucks to get in on the pot. Winner take all. Whoever had the best match of the night, whoever put money in got, got split the money. And it was voted on by the fans. I'd give the fans a survey, and they'd fill it out. And they'd vote for the best match of the night. Okay. I mean, like I said, I'm not, I'm not arguing your way of thinking on that. You know, the only thing you will find is when you're booking a card. This, this is the main question I've always wanted to ask. You. I got a few more minutes left on my show here. What is your thought process when you're putting two guys together who hasn't been in the ring in a while? <clears throat> Or, you know, they have been in the ring a little bit, but one can't lead and the other one can't follow, if you know what I mean. You have two guys who are completely out of shape, and it's your opening <clears throat> card. Now, my way of thinking when I'm booking, I want the first match to get the fans on their feet, cheering and screaming. I want them to, I want them to fall in love in the first five minutes. Because if you stink up the place in the first five minutes – you run the risk of that being the entire pressure of the entire show. You can have, like, you, you got a six-match card. If your first match totally sucked and your fans see it, that totally sucks. I don't care how good the main event, by the time you get to the main event, how good they're going to remember pressure of the show. And if you still have an audience by the time they get the main event, because I've seen it happen, you know, all they're talking about was those two fat dudes, the, the crowd were chanting oxygen tank, oxygen tank. You know, and like I said, the guys that were booked in the show, one can't lead and one can't follow. You know, what's the what is your thought process for making that your opening match? I've seen it happen too many times in UCW. You know, me and Blake trying to do our best to commentate it, but it's just kind of like me and Blake are just looking at each other. It's like, good lord, man. I mean, it's just I just don't understand your mindset in the booking of a match like that with two guys, you know, who can't go. We don't have the gas. Why not get a? Not sure which matches you're talking about. I'll have to go back in the videos. I mean, there's matches where you had two mask guys. I don't want to say their real names on here. I'm not trying to, you know, shit on them. But they're your opening matches. You know, I'm, I'm there commentating. I just can't remember the names. I do apologize. But both of them were two big boys. Both of them had masks on, and they're trying to wrestle, and it stunk. It was the drizzlings, you know what. I mean, both of them were, were blown up by the time it got to the ring. And then the crowd was chanting oxygen tanks, oxygen tanks. And, and it was just, I, I, I don't know. I remember, I remember asking Jay, I said, what in the world were y'all thinking y'all booked that? And Jay would just look at me, you know, and he just walk away, you know. And I'm like, look, man, I'm not trying to hate on you. What's the thought? We were probably both going, what the fuck? <laughs> 
you know, I, I expect everybody to do their job. They go out there and can't do it. I mean, you know, uh, I, I can't think of what match. I, I think I know one of the guys. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you just need to lose some weight and get back in shape. Uh, <clears throat> not sure who the other guy was. I, I can't remember, man. I do apologize. You can go back to the Death Lot Productions and maybe you'll find it. You know, like I said, it was that bad. And just thinking, the images is in my head, you know, but it was just both of them were under a mask and both of them were horrible. But that was her opening card. And I've seen that a few times at the UCW. I would yell at CJ, who was booking AWF at the time, for doing the exact same thing. I never would have put that man and this person, like, I, I, I remember this specific match because I was there in the back. Yeah. I'm like, why in the world are you going to book Glenn Bill with Jay Renegade? You know, one can't lead and one can't follow. You know, and one, they're both horribly out of shape. One, you're going to see it's cracked the entire time. You know, and the fans, are, and, and, and yeah, we had certain fans out there watching. This is going to be their first impression of AWF. I remember specifically, they got in their car and left. You know, and I'm like, she like, what's up on platform? I says, do you not understand how important the opening match is? I mean, seriously, you don't understand the important. If you don't understand how important the opening match is, in my opinion, you should be a booker. I told this to Jay a hundred thousand times. I mean, the, my opinion, the opening match sets the tone for everything else. You know, it is just as important as the main event, if not more important. Yeah, your main event is to make sure they go home happy. The opening match is to get them all energized and excited and fired up on the show. You know, perfect example: Super Brawl Two, Flying Brian Pillman versus Jushin Thunder Liger. That match got everyone's heart pumping, you know. I mean, boom, you know, great wrestling, high flying, anticipating, you know, the best 10, 15 minutes, and then boom. And they went home talking about that match. Not just seeing beating Luger in the main event, not just seeing a great tag match between the Steiner Village versus beautiful Bobby Eaton and R. Anderson, but they went home talking about Brian Pillman and Jason Thunder Liger, you know, and, and that's just my mindset, you know, when you're booking the card. I tell if you're if you're, if you're going to wrestle, who cares if they pay money to come watch Dominellas Page cut a promo? Or who cares if what's that guy called? Mr. Um guy's MMA and pro wrestling guy. He showed up on IWE recently. Come on, Jay. You like Mr. Ken, is it Mr. Kenny or Mr. Anderson? The one that says we the people, Jack Swagger, excuse me, Jack Swagger. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jack Swagger. You know, it doesn't matter if he were paying money to come watch Jack Swagger wrestle here at the IWE. <clears throat> What the matter is, they might pay to see him, but they went home talking about your match. That is your opportunity to steal the show. You know what I'm saying? So people might pay money to see some other thing else, but they went home talking about Brian Pym, which you should have done over It's the same thing with Dean Malenko and Ray Mysterio. Most American fans had no idea who those guys were until that match. They went home because they, they, they paid to see Rick Flair, Arn Anderson versus Mongo yeah. Michael and Jeff Green. You know, but they went on talking about Ray Mysterio and Dean Malenko, you know, and that's just an example. You know, it's the same thing I feel like in UCW. They they might have paid to see Hunter Young versus Christian Fury, but they went on talking about, man, I'm that stunk up, the hell high up, you know. I mean, hey, Hunter Young had a good fan following, so hopefully it didn't hurt the show that bad. But, you know, I don't think that match was there that particular night. But, again, I'm just giving an example, you know. But, I mean, it is what it is, man. Like I said, I'm just trying to understand your – your mindset of booking. So your mindset of booking is everyone you book in the card, you're expecting them to do their job the best of their ability. Is that my understanding? Or? Mm-hmm. I expect them to do their job. Yeah. And 
you know, sometimes your guy that was supposed to be in the main, uh, first match doesn't show up. Well, then you're like, well, fuck, what do I do? And you got to throw something together. And when you're five minutes from showtime, you don't always make the best damn decisions. <clears throat> now, that makes a lot of sense. When, when everything else is going wrong, that went wrong, that could have went wrong, it did go wrong. And it, you're tr- I, I get it. You're trying to fix the train wreck. You know what I'm saying? I get it. You know I've, I've, had, I've had two shows in four years that everybody that I booked showed up. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, um, I know it's 11.30. I know my boy, Jay, is getting tired. He worked 12 hours chef today. And 15 when he got home. <laughs> but, um, you get mustard. <laughs> What's that, boss? 15 and a half when I got home. We have mustard here. <laughs> I hear you. I'm drinking this Nas. I'm almost done with that. Um. I want to continue this some more, man. We got a lot more stuff to talk about here, Don. You know, I, I want more of your thoughts on the whole situation with Livewire and Billy Johnson and the fundraiser show. I want to talk about your road. I want to talk about uh, some of the biggest names you've had to work with. You, you've been in the ring with some Hall of Famers, you know. I mean, I'm just I'm just starting to scratch the surface here. We've got a lot more to talk about. I want to talk about the American Legion. I want to talk about the situation. No, here's one situation I can't wait to talk about. Sean Legacy and Hunter Young and what the fuck. And, and uh, we will we will pick that up on part two of this episode, if you don't mind. Uh, you want calling the questions? <laughs> oh no 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 no! I'm just saying that's that's what we want to talk about when we do part two of the uh, Night Stalker saga on the wrestling shootout uh, because I have heard so much stuff about went on on the last match. Sean Legacy was at UCW, and what what was said? What deal was it? People arguing with me. Dude, I'm at people. I've had three guys saying, don't say a word. I've had three guys, my lamb, you better commentate. And I'm like, oh, well, ladies and gentlemen, here's Hunter Young. And like, like, I've got like Blake and Stovall, Alan saying, don't say nothing. I've got the judge. And I've got Jay. Thank God, I want to say Twitter, Bill, commentate. And I'm kind of like, oh. I'm just calling what I see. Because <laughs> I had three guys say one thing. Three guys saying another. I've got one guy slamming his hand down, cursing, getting up and leaving. Because, anyways, like I said, we'll, we'll get into that next time. <laughs> Dude, that was a very uncomfortable spot to be in. <laughs> I don't know if you knew what was going on at that moment, but I, I can't accommodate that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that being said, I know I did a lot of talking, probably more talking than I should have. I do apologize. But, um, We'll touch base. That's normal. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I want to touch more base for you. Like I said, uh, <clears throat> Andy Windows with involving Chris Diggins on his last night in UCW. What's the real story? I want to cover that next time. We're going to cover, like I said, Hunter Young and Sean Legacy. And I want to hear all about you smelling the pits of Robert Gibson. Yeah, that's another rumor and in indie window question. Anyways. <clears throat> wow. Is it really, and, it, and is it really wow. true he was actually hot on his body before he locked up with people? 
I mean, dude, I mean, I, look, man, I, I, I've heard all kinds of stories, man. I can't wait to, I can't wait to share them with you. Can't wait to see if you're going to yes, yes or no to, and what's real and what's not real. And like I said, the rumors out there, man, is unbelievable. You know, um, you know. So that being said, man, hey, Christian Fury, anything you want to add, man? No. <laughs> Smelling pits, really? <laughs> it's pits, pits, armpits. That's what I'm saying. Pits, pits. Boom, <clears throat> oh, I've heard he grabbed you and put your meth on his armpits. Don't worry, man. We're here to have some fun. Get a whiff. You know, I mean, dude, I heard all kind of rumors. I said, that didn't really happen. Seriously? Oh, yeah, man, it happened. I remember I was there. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, which time was this? When I wrestled him in Alma or when I wrestled him in Hazelhurst? They yeah, killed him both for all I knew. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. Oh, I wasn't man. there for either one of them. <laughs> oh, my God. Like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll touch about that in a couple of minutes. Now. With that being said, it is Friday night. It is late. I'm in the doghouse, so I'm going to let you guys go. We'll be right back here next week on the Wrestling Shootout with part two of the Night Stopper Saga with the history of the United Championship Wrestling. I'm your host, Bill Blanchard, along with Jay Gargano, and Don Brown. Y'all have a good night.